start with someone making a gaff or start saying something funny and then I sort of slowly fade it in over the titles. But Auto's not here, so I can't embarrass him like that. <laughs> Don't worry, Idol. If we just keep the camera on you long enough, you'll make a gaff. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, he'll do something stupid any minute now. <laughs> I'll just hold up a, at least you tried cake. <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome everyone to our review of The Caretaker, our exploration of the pilots of Star Trek continues apace and I am joined by two regular hosts now, uh, Stars and Garters and Shireporn and joining us, Voyager fan extraordinaire Skycap sitting there below me on the screen here. Welcome Sky, how the devil are you? Thank you, thank you, I'm doing great, it's great to be here. Thanks um, for having me on to talk about the best Star Trek series. Oh yes, we will. We've just finished watching the episode. The gold yeah. yeah. throw. I, I do love Discovery. It's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, this is something else. Yeah, this is something else. <laughs> no, we we just finished the uh, finished Let watching the episode, didn't we? And uh, we were nothing but complimentary about the episode, were we? <laughs> there was there was certainly no ooh moments in it. Um, but Not yes. awkward at all. Yeah, if you haven't yes. watched it already, we are we are continuing. This is episode four. We are going through the pilots, and uh, after that, we're going to turn to our subscribers to choose where we continue our Star Trek journey. So, if you're not a Twitch subscriber, go over to the channel, subscribe on Twitch, and connect to the Discords, and you will get lots of lots of options available to you. Um, so, yes, we've started with the Caretaker, the debut of uh, Star Trek Voyager, which is essentially the replacement for TNG at this point, because I believe uh, Generations aired 94, and this came up 95, I think it was. Yes. I'm just going for a memory um, there. To the point where I'm pretty sure that... Um, so when you you get a script in for Trek, like they're, they're numbered. like So season two would have been 201, 202, 3, da, da, da. And I'm pretty sure that when uh, TNG ended and Voyager began, they did not number Voyager as one point whatever. They just started it as eight. Oh, wow. As in season eight of TNG wow. as a continuation. Because it's meant to go straight. It's meant to be a straight continuation of that spot in programming and in style. Because Voyager is way closer in style to TNG than it is to, Voy to DS9, even though by plot you know contrivances it should be more like ds9 but it's kind of not <laughs> so uh question for question for the group um based on on that you've just given the stars did you did you accept the premise that voyager would be a replacement for tng when when it aired or when you watched it first because i appreciate some of us here didn't watch it when it came out but do you do you accept it as the premise when you first watched the caretaker thinking oh hey this is this is now the replacement for tng no, I didn't. I didn't view it as uh, replay because they because Deep Space Nine had already come out, right? So mm. I just mm. saw this as a broadening of the okay. franchise. You know, I didn't have that like high concept idea of like, well, now we're going to replace you know the ship exploration show with this other ship. Ex I just saw it as another show. <laughs> now if they had stuck yeah. Michelle Forbes in the Tom Paris role <laughs> in the prison comedy. Yeah, it was yeah, that would have been different. But... Actually, yeah. yeah. For me, um, when I was I, my only real exposure to Voyager was like a lot of reruns, and then the one episode of Voyager that they had on the Klingon fan collective, which was Barge of the Dead, which is a really not Voyager Voyager episode, so I had no real context for it. But even when watching it, like yeah, it's kind of meant to be a replacement for TNG and like you know, you know, New Life, New Civilizations, etc. But it is so very different in 
not necessarily in style and tone because that is consistent across almost all the TNG era shows and they are made by the same production team so you kind of can't escape that feel but because everyone in the cast has such a different energy it doesn't feel like a direct replacement almost it's just like everyone is so different like for example on TNG they didn't want to show Vulcans for like the longest time because yeah. we wanted it to make it so different from TOS and mm. here they're like no fuck it two Vulcan Vulcan he's literally on screen within five seconds they're not ashamed of going back to more of that TOS style so if anything I feel like it's almost hearkening more back to that TOS he feel in some ways rather than TNG even though it's meant to be a TNG replacement it's kind of a weird mishmash of influences in mm. that kind of way in my in my view anyway <clears throat> what about you Skycat? Yeah, it's really hard for me to say because I I watched TNG like when it was in syndication. I have that kind of like nostalgia for those characters. I did mm. not watch Deep Space Nine or Voyager until they hit Netflix like oh. I don't know, like ten years ago or whatever. Mm. Um, so it's hard for me to like think of it as continuous with T with TNG mm. in in like terms of the era that it was coming. Yeah, out. I definitely remember like I remember so distinctly watching um caretaker and just like being blown away and saying like this is the odyssey in space is what they're setting mm, up and yeah. so i definitely had this idea that it was going to be like huge and like kind of weighty like this homeric kind of premise and in that sense i think um it, it kind of like made a, a big impression from the start as like a successor to the other Trek that I had seen. So had you mm. never watched any sort of, cause you say you would take a bit of a while between when Voyager was on to when you actually watched it on when it came on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Did you not cap caught any sort of odd episodes here and there or? I feel like, I feel like I didn't like, I remember really distinctly when I watched Voyager, I was completely fresh. I had never seen oh, wow. the intro. I didn't know the premise. Mm. Um, so I feel like I had seen, uh, like one-off episodes of DS9 here and there, and I kind of knew those characters, but I was completely unaware oh, wow, of Voyager. That yeah. might yeah. actually be like a relic of because this was uh, UPN's big baby, right? This was meant to be the the flagship show of the new yeah. channel, UPN, right? Um, this and I think what wrestling I think was meant to also be the big thing that was on there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know because <laughs> I, I think that was part of the justification for the the rock crossover that you get later oh, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, right. I, I think that might be the genesis of where that happened because it's not like a natural crossover you'd think of. Um, but that's might be why because it's a completely different like ecosystem and it has some of that weird energy because of that i think upn so, had certain yeah. restrictions on what they could or couldn't do this this mm -hmm. all sort of came about because you know once once tng oh. had ended and uh, you know the mm -hmm. upn or whoever the whichever he studio heads went to burma and said we want a new series and we want it on a spaceship not a station we need mm -hmm. they need to be out there and exploring and we definitely need to do and you know and berman sort of embracing the gene roddenberry saying they made a big thing i remember when sort of reading up about this in my star trek magazine i was reading when i was about how old was 10 12 <laughs> and reading and you know looking it's like it's the first female captain and it's you know we've got the first black falcon we've got the first you know we've got an asian they made a big show of how diverse the cast was you know we have an african mm. uh, no sorry uh, a native american um first officer and there the, the was a big show at the time to say we're embracing these gene roddenberry ideals and making a multi-diversal cast and you know that was definitely one of the big selling points for the show is to say like no we're still we're still star trek this is still what we're doing and i think um uh, Kate Mulgrew's Janeway definitely was there kind of like yes we have a female captain this is something different you've not seen before so that's kind of where I my exposure to it was and then and then I watched The Caretaker and it all fell apart from there <laughs> wow <laughs> just go for the jugular <laughs> literally okay let's uh, guys 
Opening reaction. We, we can't do it. Sorry, since Scott, you want to feel it. We kind of do a little sort of roundtable thing so we're not all like just talking mm. over each other. But um, let's let's talk about what your initial impressions were for this episode and rewatching. I don't know how long it has been since you watched The Caretaker. But uh, Shai, Shai, go on. Your, your impressions for the episode. Well, again, I, this is a series I, I watched from the beginning. I, I yeah. tuned in or taped it for the premiere. Uh, I remember being underwhelmed at the time. Because in my head, I was like, oh, this is just going to be like Battlestar Galactica. You're going to have people traveling. The old like, Battlestar Galactica at that point. Lost, you know, uh, yeah. like, like, Sky, yeah, like Sky said, it's the Odyssean uh, Earth story of, of uh, being plucked from your home by the gods and set adrift at sea, and you're just trying to get home. Uh, so I thought they were going to assemble this whole uh, fleet of ships. And then in the first episode, they, they blow up the cool ship. <laughs> and keep those keep the Playmobil looking uh, Voyager. Hey, I, 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 was, I was not I was not crazy oh, yeah. about the Intrepid class to begin oh, interesting. with. Um I, I, I hate when they kind of like the aliens look like humans in old timey country <laughs> banjo. Uh, oh, like I, I don't like like show us an alien. Don't show me like a guy with a banjo. Like I, I, this year, a pilot. Corn? I got some corn. You know, if you could spend $25 million on a, an IMAX release for the Inhumans, you you can give me a little bit of, <laughs> of a makeup work on the... But well, um, it's yeah. interesting watching it, watching it again. I can appreciate a lot more. Hmm. You know, the performances. Like, Kate Mulgrew is like... Is is so batting a thousand right right yeah. out right off the bat. Um, I I like Harry Kim's initial uh, characterization. Actually, it doesn't go anywhere from there, really. <laughs> unfortunately, no. um, but as you were saying, like he he, this is a, a good push for diversity. I think Garrett Wang even points out that he's the, he's the only above the line Asian actor on network television At in the, the time, whole yeah. of the nineties. He's kind like of fulfilling. A he's kind of fulfilling the Michelle Nichols terrible. role, really, isn't he? You know, yeah, it's without the you know politics involved. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of good here, but there's also like a lot of plot holes and a lot of <laughs> why are they doing that? Why would you do that? But yeah, uh, but go on. go on. Someone else talk. <laughs> go on, go on, stars. So. I, I think my first time I must have seen this on um, on syndication at some point because I, I did when I went back and did the entirety of Voyager. I'm still working through Voyager actually with my boyfriend. I was like, yeah, I remember bits of this this episode, and I think I remember reading a lot about it in Star Trek Fact Files because there's a that was a whole thing back in the nineties mm -hmm. as well. Um, and like watching it back, I was like, man, there's like, there's a lot about this that's kind of stiff. Um, that's a little bit. We're still working out the kinks. It's kind of inevitable with a pilot. It's very rare that you go and running with a pilot and everything is exactly fully formed. Um, mm. But Voyager is one of those series where, like, simultaneously looking back on it and knowing where characters end up enriches things or makes things worse. Like you said with Harry, where it's like, I know that none of the characterization he gets here really goes mm -hmm. anywhere apart from he's friends with Paris and that persists. He has a relationship with Torres that that persists, but it's like Quickest a lot of the edge is lost. Well, like, yeah, he's like exchanging corks, and then he just falls like, "You're my friend now," and like, "Okay, the best part." You will protect me. You will protect. <laughs> um, 
but by the same token, like seeing how much the EMH will grow and how much Torres will grow and how much like Paris will turn from a oil slick douchebag into arguably my probably my favorite Voyager character yeah. is very heartening. Um, in terms of the actual episode and like the plot structure, yeah, it's a fucking mess. There's a lot of remnants from other like parts of like pre-production that weren't cleaned up. There's a lot of mm. wait. This doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you just do this? And it's like, at least in like when I, we were watching the emissary or Farpoint, I was I wasn't like pointing at a, a logical inconsistency and going, "This doesn't make mm. a lot of ton of sense." But with Voyager, they started cropping up like almost immediately. Um, and I was talking about this with you guys just before we went live. But it's like the central premise is interesting. Of let's you know take the Marquis and force them to work with Starfleet, and they have to because of the whole desperate situation. But it's a flawed premise, and I'm kind of surprised that no one pointed out in the writer's room the instant you take a group that is known for a socio-political conflict that is localized entirely to the Alpha Quadrant, not within your kitchen for once, um, and then you completely get them out of that context, well, suddenly the conflict has no bite. Like, And that's why you have to fall into these tropes later on of the Marquis, oh, well, they're just difficult. Like, some of them are just difficult, you know? And it's just like, well, that's not a very good character hook, is it? You you, you need to have... I feel like this would have been a lot more interesting if maybe they were a ship that would have been plucked by the caretaker raid that were just of a whole different um, like faction altogether. Like, making them Marquis doesn't add a ton to their characterization that you couldn't have accomplished by making them a, a diverse group of scavengers, like, say, or you know, maybe have Neelix be part of their crew so that there's a reason for him to get away with things like shooting at Kazon and, like, taking people hostage, and they don't just give him the boot for that, you know? Um, but I, I think we were ragging on it a lot during the episode, but I was entertained... A lot of the performances like are strong out of the gate. Like Tim Russ in particular is just doing so much good work yeah. right out of the gate. Um and that's the thing, it does eventually start to deliver on that strange new world concept of, of Star Trek where it's like when you, like, the caretaker finally gives up on pretending to be old banjo man and turns into a big old pile of goo. It's like that's cool. I haven't yeah. seen that on Star Trek before. That's an interesting but it took you like eighty-five minutes of our ninety minute runtime to get here. Like, just stop front-loading us with this TOS, we need to save money on a weird alien concept of a ranch, and just get to the cool stuff straight away so we can talk about it, and we don't have a weird no time to discuss the most important decision of the entire thing, and the actual conflict, which yeah. is hey, Janeway mm -hmm. stranded us in the Delta Quadrant. Like, that conversation is like three lines, and then Jakote yeah, just yeah. unilaterally makes a decision to rule the Marquis. She makes a unilateral decision with her Starfleet. It's like, why couldn't we have stretched that out over to at least like five or ten minutes instead of just, yeah, and it's done. I mean, yeah. We had to revisit that later. Quick, you know? Quickly, quickly interjecting, like, um, you know, you had that line with Torres and that argument they have, and then, you know, Chicote just basically grabs and goes, no, she's the captain. I'm just like, man, you are so whipped right now. Like, this is like, you've seen Janeway, and that's your future. Like, you, you, you're, you're there. Look, you're not even mucky anymore. He you're saw just... the hands on the hips, and he was like, I'm in. He's <laughs> about to do the status quo shuffle any minute. Uh, go, Sky, go on. Uh, your impressions of the episode re off, off the rewatch, like, after, after all this yeah, time, you know. Um... Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what um, Stars just said about the Maquis conflict. And apparently, um, Brandon Braga has talked about how he was brought in after the pilot. And they were like, and we've got this conflict between the Federation and the Maquis. And he's like, no, we don't. That's not going to work. And he completely did. Well, <laughs> oh, that was him that did that? Oh, wow. It was him. Like, oh. And didn't, 
the, the problem that I have with like subsequent Voyager is that they didn't abandon that conflict entirely. There are like little vestiges of it, but for the mm. most part, like it's not even a factor. No. Um, so I kind of, I kind of regret that they even included that in the pilot because I, I felt when I, I remember again, like watching it for the first time and how like excited I was about the, the premise. And part of that was these two factions that are like at odds with each other and they're going to have to work together. Um, mm. So that was, that was something that like with, with the perspective of having seen the whole series a few times, was kind of like ouch like i wish i wish they'd either done something with that or or let it go mm. um but the whole reason i love voyager and the main reason i love voyager is the characters and the cast and the chemistry that they have and one thing that mm. i found really surprising in rewatching caretaker is like how many of those little relationships receded from the pilot so like mm. you've got the friendship between Janeway and tuvok you've got the conflict between tuvok and neelix You've got like the kind of older sister, younger brother thing between Bellana and Harry, where she like mm. jokingly calls him like Federation. She's going to keep doing that in the series. It's very cute. And then you've got, you guys have talked about like the very um, on the nose uh, friendship between Tom and, and Harry, where Tom's like, I am your friend now. <laughs> um, but that, that pays off at least. So yeah. um, that was something I'd rewatched that I was like, they got this right. And they, they kind of had a, they kind of had a plan from the beginning that that paid off for these characters. I think yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting yeah. with the chemistry how like considering Mulgrew was a late hire, how much instant chemistry she has with almost Great everyone. Point. Yeah, literally. Great point. Yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that in a minute. But um, I just want to say like the thing, the thing, I think the thing that this pilot does well over all the other pilots is it doesn't spend a lot of time doing exposition like this person is here for this this person is here for that they show it a little bit more through how the characters uh, you know with the emh you get his personality on a plate with tom paris mm. as sleazy as it is you get his personality on a plate of how he interacts with uh mm. with um with harry kim and you get more there's less there's more showing and not as not as much telling which is kind of refreshing mm -hmm. for a 90s or any pilot you you look at sort of something like the game of thrones pilot and 90 percent of that is exposition a lot of people talking about mm -hmm. like he's the chief of uh, like harren hall or whatever um but this is you know this was nice that it was paced out in a way that you didn't spend too much time working out who was who you just knew it through how they were talking to each other um but yes for for those interested that do not know this or the very few of you i'm surprised if you don't uh yes uh kate mulgrew as janeway was introduced very late into the production there was another actress uh, genevieve Mujold, uh who was the original captain janeway who i think no one even she didn't like her role the directors didn't like her role and you can actually go on youtube you can see the screen tests the, the film footage you know, this was going to be in the pilot, and you can even see there. It's like, oh no, you you are not Janeway. But yeah, credit to Kate Margrew for absolutely rocking, just walking in on a set and going, "I am this character. I'm doing this," and you can see it. And a bit of related trivia to that: really, Robert Beltran took the part because of Genevieve Bujold. Oh really? Oh. Um, so if he ever seems checked out, I don't know if he ever seems <laughs> checked out over the seven Most seasons, the but, but that might have something to do with it. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, that that's like the big thing that I I was like noticing when we were doing this. We're talking about initial impressions. Like, there are so many scenes where Chakotay is present but not saying or 
doing yeah. anything. We, we like, remarked on like, that um, a co- when they're walking through the Ocampan settlement, aka the airport, yeah. um, and there's, there's two Mock and Jane, we're having the conversation, Chakotay's just, I'm watching, I'm here, and then we're going up the elevator. He's like face forward. <laughs> yeah. like, especially knowing that he is a stealthy officer who has uh, got a background in xenoanthropology, and even if you know they hadn't established that detail yet, he is also the leader of the Marquis ship and should be at least like piping up with maybe a more militant perspective on things yeah. to show that. But they don't even bother doing that, and like I can kind of understand why he was like annoyed because like even right from the off, he is just not getting a ton of like screen time. And then the one character moment he kind of really does get, apart from the the admittedly solid moment with like Torres, where she's like, "No, she's the captain." Um, is like the really, really forced. I'm gonna save your life, Paris Chakotay thing. Yeah, and Ugh. like, just don't do it. It's so corny and forced, and like, just no, it just doesn't work. <laughs> it really doesn't. You don't understand. Yeah. He was trapped, holding onto that railing, <laughs> pressing his foot against it. There was no way he could get up from that position. He needed Paris no to come over way. and lift him up. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, let's let's go over best and worst moments from this pilot. Let's go. Around. Let's go around again. Nothing prepares uh, it. Shy. I'm gonna give, always put. I'm gonna put you first. Usually it's also, but he's not here this week. So, um, shy. Best and worst moments. Best moments. I mean, I yeah, I do. I do like like Sky was saying the the sort of interactions they instantly sort of build between the characters between. Tom and Harry between uh, Mr. Vulcan and 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 Neelix, um, it, they they set that stuff up really well. Uh, but as I mentioned during the the rewatch, the worst moment is when they destroy the much cooler Maquis ship right at the top yeah. <laughs> of the series. <clears throat> so much so that they several scenes later they're like, "We need a cooler ship. Let's build the Delta Flyer." Oh yeah! Mm. <laughs> like it's like you had a cooler ship and you blew it up in the pilot. But they say Neelix's ship. Neelix's ship is still in that shuttle bay. Yeah, Neelix's <laughs> ship is still in yeah, the, the shuttle the, bay. The, the TARDIS style like shuttle bay of infinite proportion. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so how that's... about uh, yeah? Okay. Uh, how about you, stars? Ooh, um, you know, worst moment. I kind of have to give it to a lot of Robert Duncan McNeil's performance here. Not just because, not because of him. Like I know he's a good actor. He can mm. he can work with the material he's given. It's just a case of the oil slick personality trying way too hard to be the bad boy. Um, just aggressive chip on the shoulder. It just doesn't work. Like he is not suited to this kind of character. And it just, it shows. It just does not come across as legitimate. It does not come across as sincere. And it just doesn't land. Um, and the only reason it, like they even keep on trying with it is because, well, we got Harry here and he's even more speaking. So that works as a contrast. But um, I think probably best moment, I would say that, like you said, Idol, a lot of the character introductions are nailed in that a lot of how you are introduced to these characters is very, like, economical. Like, how, how are you um, introduced to Paris? He's in jail, yeah. but he's in a really cushy jail, so it's like, he has it relatively easy. Um, Not a and he's kind of a dipstick, but... 
Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, how you introduce to Janeway? You are introduced with a pan up to her in a position of authority, Tom and Paris. she is immediately dictating how the situation is going to go. How are you introduced to Chakotay? He is, like, instantly doing a brave act of rebellion and a very obviously Star Wars rip shot. Mm. How are you really introduced to, to, to Balana? You're introduced to her by, like, knocking the shit out of some Okapa nurses yeah. and be, uh, refusing to be tied down by, like, anyone. She, she, does, um, she does do the whole thing, like, uh, though, like, you know, you know, in the middle of the moment, she's panicking out, like, well, I am half Klingon. And it's like, well, yeah, we can kind of tell. <laughs> we know. Oh, that, was one of the, that was one of the more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, you had to get a little, a little bit of exposition out there mm. for people who maybe this is their first Star Trek series yeah. where they need a little bit of background on that. But so you kind of had to make that concession to it. Klingon. <laughs> Klingon, yes. <laughs> um, like, a lot of the character introductions I feel like are nailed and you get an instant sense, especially the EMH. Like, in fact, you know, I'll say yeah. that. The EMH mm. introduction is pitch perfect like that is exactly how you introduce that character he is terse Rob Picardo is 150% on board the instant he appears on screen he gets some of the best lines in the pilot and it's just like there's no fluff he just nails it first time just, I, I, if you told me those are first takes I'd believe you he's a consummate professional Scott agreed best and worst moments um, yeah I, I think uh, depending on how like small a moment can be but I think like I love the scenes early on actually in the alpha quadrant um i think they mm. do a really good job of like mm. kind of building up the story and building up the mission and introducing the characters um i like seeing the scene at quarks um i like mm. i mean obviously like the continuity with deep space nine there um kind of passing the baton although i guess deep space nine still had the baton but yeah. still like it, it kind of had like That's an why they had cork to show. Um, yeah, all that like worked really well for me. Um, kind of the the whole idea of like we're assembling a team. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for for scenes like that. Yeah, I the, love a good getting the gang together. Yeah, right. The um, without question, the worst thing about that that pilot for me is that entire sequence in the Ocampan stairwell. Like the janky ass metal <laughs> the stairway stairwell. <laughs> the ridiculous, like Shy mentioned, the ridiculous rescue of Chakotay, who's just <laughs> sitting there waiting to be rescued by like a guy who's they're going to continue to have like kind of outs with each other. So do we? <laughs> 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 then they get to that part where there's like a field, but it's like there's enough like non-force fielded part to like just kind of like sneak through the whole thing it. like. They could have cut that for time, like um, Stars said. They could have done, like, added in a little bit more about, like, the central decision whether to destroy the array or not. Um, that was just, like, that That was a huge miss for me. Mm. Um, I will go, I'll go worst you. moment first. I, what the fuck are the Ks on? Like, this is, they were, the, <laughs> yeah. they were introduced as the, the Ks on Oglas. Yeah, okay, yeah, Jaroth. Ks on Ogla, or they call it what it was at the start. So when, you know, later on they call it the Ogla. But yeah, Namage introducing our big bad. And we came across a few plot holes I'd not even thought of because I'd not not watched the episode before. But like, they've never seen water or replicators or transporters, but they're spacefaring. They could just go to a mm. different planet. Like they've got warp drive, and they don't have like yeah. How, if they don't have access to water, what is their biology that they can survive? Yeah, they... Are, are they snakes? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they literally chase Voyager past like 
a dozen water bearing planets. <laughs> no, no, we need this. We need their technology. And I like, I like the scene. But I don't like the scene, but I, I like it in a sort of jovial way, where you know you see Marge, whatever his name is, Gerard or whatever. Is, um, uh, where? Marge, yeah, Marge, yeah, and um, Marge. <laughs> And he's like, you have made an enemy. And you can literally see everyone on the bridge just going, so fucking what? <laughs> don't give a shit. Like, who are you guys? Like, you're supposed to be... But the way they set them up, like, and we see them through the series, supposed to be this big nemesis. And I'm like, mm, are they or aren't they? Like, they're either really primitive or they're advanced spacefaring. And I don't think any of the producers could decide which. I, um, I feel like the problem with the Kazon is that, like, they're meant to be this, like, savage, like, because you, you get the evidence of, like, oh, they brutalized Kess a little bit, but you don't see them really do anything of mm-hmm. that. It's like, you see the after effect on Kess, which is immediately fixed with a dermal regenerator, so it's not like it even sticks mm-hmm. around as a reminder of their brutality, and then they do nothing. They don't kill any of the Voyager crew, they don't blow anything up, they are not a threat in any way, they don't even make paltry attempts to make them seem threatening. Yeah, it's like the Cardassian power issue that they had going from TNG mm. to DS9, right? Mm. Like, in TNG, the Cardassians are this... It's like, they're basically, like, shooting lasers at them. They're like, what? <laughs> we're not we're unconcerned with your power level. And then they had to slowly power creep them up so that they'd actually be a menace to, to TNG. And, mm. and Voyager always struggled with that, with the, uh, the Kazon. Yeah. But best moment, Idol. Um... <laughs> I gotta give it. <laughs> I gotta give it to the bath scene. Like Neelix and Tom oh, God. Bath. I love that scene. So good. That is it really is great. Good. Like it is as much as like okay. With me and Neelix have a, a conflict in history because when I first watched the voyage, I hated Neelix, and as I've grown mm. older, I appreciate Neelix a lot more now because he's just trying to do good, his good. best. He really is. He's coping and he's just loving it every way. Mm. But yeah, the, the the bath scene where he's him and Tuvok sort of early introductions and Tuvok's sort of holding the towel there like Austin Power style, <laughs> holding on, you know, hiding on the bits <laughs> and just sort of looking away, going, "Oh my god!" But yeah, and he's just he's just sitting there in the bath, just like throwing water in his face. <laughs> I, I I just it's great. yeah. I, I I relish those moments now. That that's that's quite cool. Until later on when he rips out all the replicators to make whatever he does. <laughs> <laughs> um I wanna talk about one of the uh, the more sort of awkward uh topics of this. Like what was your feelings on the whole plot point of Neelix sort of just hanging out in the junkyard and then encountering Voyager and then rescuing Kess, who is his long lost love. Um that whole kind of aspect of it because i think you you had a bit of trivia for this uh someone was saying about neelix's actor yes Hmm. so yeah i I looked it up and i was like why does this weird age gap between kess and neelix exist and it turns out that before they cast uh ethan phillips so i believe he was in his mid-30s maybe late 30s by this Hmm. point um they had originally intended for neelix to be a much younger kind of scrappier character and they cast Jennifer Leanne, who I believe was only like 20 at the time of filming. And they're like, well, they'll have a good a bit of like, you know, a bit of youthful energy to the cast, which is already pretty young. Uh, but you want that sort of like outsider civilian energy, right? Um, and then they cast Ethan Phillips, and he is so much older than her, and it exacerbates the already existing age gap of she's like two. Mm. She's like two. Um, and then it just. Everything about every time he calls her dearest, it just yeah. it, it yeah, it's like exactly it's that exact reaction. Hello, dearest, it's have a word that's original. I found it for you. <laughs> yeah, I found it down the, the back of my urine recycle. Um, <laughs> like, 
Neelix as a character and the concept can work. It's just a case of they really should not have gone in with the Nesk. Uh, I call it Nesk because that's the ship name, I guess. With no one, no one ships this though. No, yeah, that, Nesk, that's for Nesk, Neelix. Um, like, there are really, a couple like, of we don't like anti-ship. It. This is like, problematic. I can't believe <laughs> that we started the we started the show and we already have our existing like. Wolf or uh, Wolf and Troy or Ezri and Bashir already established. Like no one likes this relationship. Mm. No one thinks it works. Like they should have been purely platonic, and they should have jettisoned all that thing. But they just there's a lot about the script that has the stuff of like this was written for a different performer or with a different thing in mind, and they did not clean it up. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, you could argue that maybe these different species have different maturation cycles, right? Like yeah. Neelix could be like Baby Yoda esque, <laughs> like the, you oh know. Oh my and, god! And can you imagine a little hatch open with Neelix in there? <laughs> right, that's an entirely but, new sentence. No one has ever said that in the history but, of mankind. But, but you're right. Baby you're right. Neelix. Like you know, a, a father, like a father ward relationship, would have been much. Much better, and they still could have mm. done the like Neelix yeah. being protective of her against mm. Paris's like advances, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, situation yeah. in a fatherly sort of shotgun way, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And he's just not, uh, you know, all respect to Ethan Phillips, the, the yeah, fantastic, he's, he's not a romantic lead. <laughs> There's nothing, there's nothing alluring about him. Uh. Well, it's like that's why when we eventually get to Homestead, where it's like him with Dexter, right. their relationship works because she's coming from a very similar place to him yeah, and right. is played by a mature actress who can meet him on that kind of level. And it's like, this is not absolutely not what is going on here. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was maybe one of her second or third roles, maybe even her first. Like, a guy, you think she might have been in a soap before this, possibly? I, f I feel like she was in a few things before this, but she was still yeah. like, very, very young yeah and it's I'm, just not I'm a good place to... with her by the way i think i think she's an she amazing was good this episode actually yeah i i, I, have, I, yeah. I, have, I, I was kind impressed of like with her, negative yeah. sort of uh whenever I talk about kess always and jennifer lean sort of acting i was kind of thinking like oh she's kind of just there and kind of being kind of ethereal and occasionally telepathic but actually she was really kind of there was a lot of personality to kess in this episode just she has a lot nowhere. of presence yeah yeah, she yeah. Really especially does. in her shame. scenes with the with with the doctor as well which we're going to get yeah. to we don't get that relationship established here but that becomes really important for his growth later um and that's a lot more of where her relationship shines is again in that father-daughter sort of relationship where she has right. as much to teach him and like you're saying shy like the, that is not the level of performer that like we want here we want a different relationship and romantic was not the way to play this right it's it's the the problem with kiss is the writing it's not jennifer mm -hmm. lee yeah, yeah absolutely not writing. Yeah. and of course the lack of a cat suit uh, obviously she <laughs> immediately have been in a cat suit for the game series mm, it's had a yeah, but i think shy fixed it i mean like mm. have it be like a pr more a pr parental thing you mm. fix both Kess and Neelix because I do, I love those characters separately. Like, I stand them all day long separately. That relationship, mm. like, was just completely didn't work and kind of, kind of destroyed a lot of what could have been two, like, really fan favorite characters, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They, they really write, 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 um, yeah, ball and chain yeah, them the, as the, it were. The like toxic, 
yeah, the toxic jealousy, like that border on oh, domestic I violence, that that, that relationship oh. is not, not great. Oh, yeah. Just spaghetti on the chest. Mm, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. We'll get there. We'll that. get there, I'm sure. Um, we'll get there. But, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, so do, oh, no, go on. Your point. Yeah, you, no, you go. You're the host. Oh, I, I wouldn't suppose. dare. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, director of <laughs> He's this He's the episode. captain. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Director of this episode, Winrich Kolb, uh, or Colbe, Winrich Colbe, however you pronounce it. Colby, yeah. Um, quite mm-hmm. prolific Trek director, has been doing this since mm. TNG. Would you like to know some of the other things he directed before and after Caretaker? Yes, please. Uh, yes, please. He, he directed... Did he, in fact, direct before and after? Oh, actually, hang on, let me have a look. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> Damn it. No, he's, he's done some He's re- directed shows time and again. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh. No, he's done <laughs> some really good ones so from tng i'm gonna say the best to last on this so from tng he he's directed sort of galaxy's child elite alliance allegiance pen pals um birthright part one hmm. not part two oddly enough hmm. um ds9 from uh blood oath arman bashir hmm. Uh, past mm. prologue. Um, we've got future Voyager ones like Scorpion Part Two. So we traded a part Ooh. one for a part two. Uh, Thirty yeah. days, Dragon's Teeth, good ones like that. More importantly, uh, let's go for the, the good ones. Siege of, the Siege of AR Five Five Eight, which is a That's stunning a episode. Um, and also, he directed All Good Things, which oh, is wow. So, oh yeah, wow, he, yeah. yeah. So he, this is he definitely upped his. <laughs> He directed all good things. He directed all good yeah, things. That's, yeah, that's, you know I what? Find that hard to believe. <laughs> well, there was a moment actually that I thought was I was like, "That's a really good bit of direction." Was um, when they're on the the Okapa planet on the crust and they've just met the Kazon, and like they're like, "Well, why are we even here? What are you? What's your angle here, Neelix?" And then you have Neelix in the foreground, and then from a bit of like rock from here, you just see Kess like completely silently just come into frame, mm. and it's like, "Well, that's your, like, a little bit of visual framing." <laughs> And like of like her quietness in a and London, she... uh, London town's like, oh, right, governor. Um, <laughs> can, can well, because she steps please? out with this. This yeah. is kind of with Leanne's performance, where she has this quite like, quiet dignity, even though she's been injured. She doesn't cry. She doesn't simper. No. She's not been crying. It's like she just has this like quiet strength to her, and I feel like that's something that they could have played more with Kess and Winrick, like, like McCorby here. Clearly, just like is playing to that by just being like she isn't going to like shout and scream about it, but she is like quite resilient in that framing and she's important in either. It's like, that's a good bit of visual direction there, but mm-hmm. the rest of it was a little bit more sort of, like you say, you, you match the material you're given as it were. And it's like, a lot mm-hmm. of this was like a lot of shots of people going up escalators going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's a bit of studio interference there as well. Like this is their yeah. premiere yeah. pilot episode. Like directors yeah. are going to be held on a leash for that, aren't they? Not exactly we are house. Yeah. Mm. From a production standpoint, um, idle what you were saying about, different directors for the two-parters i believe that's because they film the second part right after the first part so even though it's going to air in the next season mm. they're filming it at the same time so the director they need the yeah, yeah director yeah. for part two needs time to prep so mm. did but did rick colby direct both parts of caretaker uh yes. well it was yeah, shot as a movie thing. right yeah that would, yeah, yeah, okay, that would have been a 130 sort of premiere wouldn't it, it wasn't a part one part two although televisions you know it was is counted as episode one and two i think it was always filmed yeah. as like one part as opposed to sort of okay. later in the seasons when yeah. they do do a part yeah. one and part two yeah uh, his uh his action in this episode is a little subpar considering that mm. he directed some some action in tng and siege of the siege episode which is yeah he great did darmok as well darmok was another one of his oh wow so yeah 
Mm. Uh, Blood Oath as mm. well. Blood Oath is very actiony as well. So, mm. um, yeah, a lot of the yeah. Well, cause I think that's a part of the issue with this episode that is it's not really interested in action. Like it starts off with a big yeah. strong action scene, and then it proceeds to drop all action for like thirty minutes, so we can introduce all the Alpha Quadrant characters. And it's like you wanted the strong start of a big explosive Star Wars start, and then you immediately fall back into mm. the Star Trek when you talk about things for a while. And like it doesn't really maintain the same level of energy all the way throughout. It just kind of like has these abrupt peaks and then valleys, and abrupt peaks and then valleys, and it just makes it feel a bit erratic in tone. So this is interesting. He's all his other directing Winrich Kolb, his other um directing assets are Battlestar Galactica from the nineteen seventy eight version, obviously not the two thousand. I was gonna say not the not the yeah, new yeah, one. Right? Not, the, not the new one. That was that was uh, uh, Knight Rider. Um he also he also <laughs> ah. did Spence, Spencer for Hire, which uh oh. I don't know, stars Avery. Avery Brooks. Um he That's also right. went on to do Chips, uh Millennium, if you remember that show Michael Angel mm-hmm. and Lo- wow. Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. <laughs> Wow. Um, but actually, show. his best credit was he actually did some work for Twenty Four, which earned him some awards, um, actually for like, credited awards. Oh, wow. So he's he's had a ra- he's had a range of stuff. I think it's sort of by the feels like a very by the books director. There's like, is this guy available? Yes. Mm. Okay. Cool. He's in. <laughs> but, now I have a question. Go on. So I mean, we're talking about passing baton. And it doesn't really happen this thing because it's like mm. a the DSI to Voyager. That's not a smooth transition because they're very different shows. Mm. Um, so, and that's why you get Quark and, and like in Harry Kim, right? Like kind of the most non-essential parts of those casts, really. Now, do you feel like you were robbed of Kate Mulgrew and Avery Brooks acting oh. together? And yeah. if they were going to do that scene, what would you have liked it to look at? I mean, they couldn't like, have done I... it because of the production, like because obviously we had a different actress being Kate McGrew, and they would have had to probably shoot the scenes twice. But in a, in a, would have been like, yeah. you know, yeah, in a dream yeah, in match a, type scenario. Man, yeah, oh my God, that would have been the best thing ever. Like, yeah, we were robbed mm. a little bit of that. I, I would have loved Janeway with uh, Miles O'Brien, actually. Uh, like, that would have been fun. Doing, like, nerding out of, over engineering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or Dax, actually. Dax probably would have been a great yeah. pick for that as well. Oh, yeah, they would have been Dax would have gone really well. That would have been quite fun. Yeah. Like, if they, if, if Janeway had also known Curzon at some point. What mm, about... That would have been cool. Yeah. What about Neelix and Quark? That's just an episode of Only Fools and Horses. Yes, it is. Because that's just... That's just showing like two characters on either side of the line. Yeah. Like yeah. you're walking that I'm annoying line, and <laughs> like one person's like on one side of it, and the other person's on the other side of it. Yeah. But yeah, if if you were gonna have a scene where you wanted to officially kind of hand the baton as we're now the mm. two, you know, like, how would you have had? <laughs> was was um, Janeway also Janeway assimilated at all three five nine and killed another yeah. one of Cisco's <laughs> I was thinking that. Just replace like replace the entire scene, replace Picard with with Janeway, and then that's it. Cut. Go. All Star Trek shows should start off with how people are angry at Picard in some way. <laughs> Clearly, oh. clearly. <laughs> okay, what would what would you change if you if you were handed the keys to say I can you can make an edit to this or a change a casting directing um, anything part of it what what would you change shy? Uh, well, yeah, I would have changed that Neelix cast uh, relationship. Mm. I would have uh, given Janeway a center seat instead of like that stupid shared two throne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> arrangement mm. they have on the bridge i i hated that it's like mm. you know 
I get that it's a lot of wasted space on the bridge, isn't it? I, I get that you're yeah, I get that you're uncomfortable having a woman in charge, but let her yeah. have the center seat. Oh, don't yeah. don't give me these like two seats next to each other nonsense. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, I would have uh, had them keep the key ship and just build up a convoy of uh, assorted mm. alien ships heading towards the uh, alpha. Mm. Miss chance for the equinox as well, but that comes later. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Stars, what would you change? Oh, I mean, I feel like we've covered a lot of it here, but um, yeah, I, I would have. God, there's just some. I think it's Paris is the big one that sticks <laughs> in my craw here because it's just there's so much about his performance that just like is hampered by the script. And it's like I know Robert Duncan McNeil can do a good job. He's a good performer. Just don't make him do this. Make him be less way less oozing oil. Um, don't. Play to like by all means go Janeway in Paris having an inter a, a dynamic of I want to redeem you. It's like well I kind of don't have any interest in the Starfleet thing, but make it a little bit less charged. Like I feel like it's they come at each other really hard with what I think is meant to be almost sexual tension, but it really doesn't. Oh, they do don't play they? because yeah. that's not a relationship that should. That again, that's another relationship that shouldn't happen. Um, very strong feelings on right romance here. Give Chakotay more to do. I'm begging yeah. you. The poor man is dying out there. He, he has a right from the offset, like when when you open the episode and then the action scene is like it's pure Chakotay and Doris, yeah. and that's great. That's the most he has to do the entire episode, and it's awesome. But yeah, yeah, like you don't even really get a strong conversation between him and Janeway for most of the episode. Really, like no. they they kind of interact, but like there's not even a scene where they talk about hey, we're going to become part of the crew. Like, there you go. There's an easy addition. Let's have a conversation with you know, Chakotay still in his clothes, and she's like. We're gonna to have to do something about this whole ship crew situation, and then they actually have to talk about it, have an argument, have a fight about yeah. it, have some energy, yeah. and but make it clear that Chakotay the... cares. Yeah, this is this is like you know? going back to like the problems with television at the time. Is just like you know they wouldn't have had high drama like this in this science fiction show. Like that wouldn't come later until you get shows like the remake of Battlestar Galactica when they we got sort True. of gritty television instead of family television. So, you know. No, but if right, you're going to... But at least have a conversation about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The scene the scene with Paris at the end with Janeway where she's yeah. telling him that Chakotay's the first officer should have been a yeah. scene with Chakotay with her <laughs> making him a first officer. He doesn't yeah. know yet. <laughs> yeah. At that point, like, I'm making right. my first officer. He's like, what? I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm getting Neelix's shit. Yeah, like, I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot of like housekeeping that's just kind of not done and it's mm. left for the second episode where it's like, okay, we need to establish this and this and that. And, like, if you're going to do it, make it a three-parter. Like, just roll it all in together or just don't drop that Paris scene it doesn't really contribute a lot like or hey maybe we can cut some of these other extraneous scenes that don't add a ton and just you know bolt on more character stuff more setting up the actual concept of the show you know but yeah about you Sky yeah I mean very similar to what you guys were saying that that there needed to be a little bit more of that um just like talking to each other about what the what the plan was going forward I would love Mm. to see Ned from the Maquis side You've got that yeah. scene that you guys have already talked about where mm. Chakotay is still in his, like, JCPenney sweater and <laughs> Bellana's still in her, like, awesome Maquis outfit and he's like, she's the captain. Mm. Why did we not have a scene of, like, the Maquis talking amongst themselves? Like, we're yeah. in a bad situation. What's our best path forward? I would have loved to see that from their perspective because you, like, snap your fingers and they're in full Starfleet uniform. Yeah. yeah. And, like, <laughs> how do they feel you about want- this? If you want to talk about undermining the Marquis right away, can we talk about the fact that we see three Marquis and then Ayala, who is, like, not even named, um, 
And yeah. the instant they beam aboard Voyager, one of them is revealed to be a traitor. Like, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. no strong marquee personalities outside yeah. of Torres, because Chicote is not a strong personality in this pilot. You needed to see way more Marquis doing yeah, shit. Yeah, you really have integral. no sense of how many people were on the Valjean, do you? You see maybe exactly, like five yeah. people yeah. on the bridge, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And you know that yeah, more, like, and then you get Vegeta, Vegeta McKee <laughs> <laughs> in the background, but that's, that's yeah. it. It's like from going forward, we know that we're meant to have Lon Suda on board, we're meant to have Dolby and all those ones from Learning Curve. Chell. There's tons of characters yeah. who should be around. Uh, Chell, for example, like mm. you could have had a really big wide cast and like maybe make that scene at the beginning way more like cramped and cut away to other people in, in like Man. their version of engineering. Like oh, we're having big problems here and like your shit's like, exploding. Like if you want a bit more action and actually sell that they're being attacked by Cardassian ships, just like yeah, make the really Marquis feel like, like more of a crew. Yeah. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? The way it's yeah. only filmed on the bridge. Can you imagine yeah. if they did the entire series, but it, there was no voyage, it was just the Marquis crew that was stranded in the mm. Delta Quadrant instead. And that was that. But they were ex-Starfleet Marquis, so they're like, oh, actually, we're out mm. of our element. And then you had Chakotay being like, okay, maybe we should take a Starfleet role to all this approach to going home even though we're not Starfleet, but actually we're out of our element, like that w actually would have been a bit more of an interesting Idol. premise. Hello. Idle. You're describing Star Trek Prodigy. <laughs> kind of out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they've... Oh, yeah, they've... Yeah, Simpsons did it. Yeah, they really are. And there was um, a hologram, but and the hologram was of Janeway. <laughs> and then Janeway's, like, teaching them... Teaching the McKee how to become more Starfleet. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, I like that one. Um, I would kind of change the kind of most of the plot uh, or at least make it a lot more coherent and legible mm. instead of just kind of randomly going from situation to situation and just hoping the technobabble mm. will make us ride the way along because there was a lot of like this is just here because we said so as opposed to any real justification like except for like fact, I said, the k's on not have, having water travel not having access to water the um, caretaker throwing loads of energy into a comper but not actually having you know he has all this technology he can transport people from millions of light years away but can't just set someone up with a decent sort of terraforming project you know what yeah. i had to piggyback off your point there idol what was the point of that scene in engineering where they seal the warp core breach is it purely just to establish that janeway knows science i because, think so like, i think it's more she like isn't, saying she's she isn't the engineer. one doing it by hand though that's the problem no. it's like it'd be mm. one thing if she came into engineering and everyone was dead and she had to do it by hand no so but get she everyone excited Carrie, about an engineer well, carry that they're never gonna really give a shit is about he even named <laughs> like because Putting that scene in and having it be this frenetic, oh, we've got to stabilize the warp core, means that you don't have a, a slow come down from the loss of everyone and talking about who you've lost. It's like mm. you just go from action to action to action and then we're captured and then da, 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 da. like it's paced really oddly because of the script choices, like you say, Idol. Yeah. Um, all right, let's stars give us your rating for the episode. What is our what is our metric oh. for this week? Ooh. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, how many unbuttered nascene corn on a cob out of 10 would you give this out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> alright shy uh, why am I first uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I guess I give it a, a, a 7 ooh that's mm. high is that high <laughs> I, I, well, higher than I, I'm going to give it <laughs> I was trying to think. Sure what, there. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I gave the cage because it's better than it's better than the cage. 
We need to get track. Um, we actually should be tracking that. <laughs> I'll go back and look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we gave the cage like sevens and eights, sixes and sevens. I think. I think we're right yeah, I mean, I, I I give it a seven. Oh, yeah, maybe I did rate it higher just because I I thought there was a lot of stuff that did work that they kept. Um, but you know, this is I rate this below both Encounter at Farpoint and Emissary, mm -hmm. like way below Emissary. So, I'll, but I'll stick with seven just just to. Because it, it has, uh, yeah. Mm. Go on. No, no, no. It's, it's. Now I'm trying to think about what I gave those because, like, this is absolutely worse than emissary because I, like, oh, I, yeah. I don't get a strong bearing on Janeway as a main viewpoint character. Like, I get an idea of kind of her general characteristics, but I don't get a sense of her love for science or like, um, her love of gothic holodramas or like. You get given <laughs> Mark, who is arguably like the least important part of her backstory that is not expanded upon very much in the rest of the series. Weirdly, and a lot like of the Jane actual Rodbury. stuff she's... <laughs> right, you guys, were, you guys were, were harshing on Mark in the pilot while we were watching this. Mark's done nothing. Mark's just like being a, a dutiful like partner at home. But if we're rude to him now, yeah, if, we, if we're rude to him now, then he can't hurt us later. <laughs> um... I'll give this a 6.5 Nacine unbuttered corn on a cobs because, like, there's a lot of stuff that here that works instantly, but if I were not immediately drawn in... If I didn't like Star Trek already, I don't know if this would convince me to start. Because I'd be like, this plot is kind of nonsense, and it's reliant on, like, you gave me a Star Wars, like, opening crawl, but you're not really Star Wars in feel, like... For a pilot, it doesn't feel like it establishes a strong core identity for the show, or at least not one that is going to carry forward. Like it, it kind of poisons its own well because it sets up all these elements that no come to nothing. Mm. All right, Sky. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you finish, but first I'm gonna talk about Mark. Um, my problem with Mark <laughs> is not the character, like not the guy. Yeah. My problem is I was always looking at this as like an Odyssey analog. And in the mm. Odyssey, the whole impetus for Odysseus finally like getting off Calypso's island and going home is Penelope is being harassed. Yeah. Mm. And that's like really his driving force. And when I watched this pilot, I made that connection immediately. Like Janeway's got something to come home to. And then in a few episodes, they're gonna like get a message from him magically, and he's gonna be like, I've moved on. <laughs> Maybe it's in a few seasons. I don't know. Is that is that in a few episodes? I don't <laughs> think that's... It's in like season four. It's in like season they four. Okay. They fly by. Yeah. Are we mad at with like the Mark role, not the guy? It's in like season four, and he's not the only one who did that. He's not are, are you mad at? Are you mad at Helen Hunt in Castaway for remarrying? Because <laughs> Tom Hanks is on the island. For... I, I don't want to interrupt your review. No, no, because he didn't. No, because he didn't know that. And the whole time he mm. was getting home to her, and he had like the pocket watch or whatever, and he had to get home to her. Like that's yeah. that actually works for me. I, I just feel like they had again. They had another like really interesting aspect of like she's got this connection to the Alpha Quadrant, and they're just like, mm. nah, never mind. No, you know what? Want her to be able to date a hologram. There's another problem I actually have with the Mark scene, right? Which is that, like, whenever you put two actors on one side of a view screen, you rob them of physical intimacy. Mm. And the instant you do that, what is explicitly a romantic relationship, you cannot establish warmth. You are talking to a screen, and you are not <laughs> emoting or acting off of the other. Well, yeah, because there's no chemistry, because how can they have chemistry? These actors have never even sat in the same room together. She... What do you mean, stars? You... I watch I watch you and Otto and Idol <laughs> every week. I, I find your thruple uh, you know, delightful. 
Oh, but wow. no, it's, I, I feel like Mark's actor lacks the necessary energy for me, but man, Jamie needs to get back to that guy because he's robbed of that. Why is he not leaving on DS9? Like, Mark has done nothing. She's that far away. <laughs> Mark has done nothing. Mark's watering her plants. <laughs> he's watching her dog. You know, he has to show me the Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Where was the Mark episode? Fuck Where Mark. was that one? All oh, my homies hate Mark. So how many unbuttered? Yeah, how many unbuttered corn on the cobs okay. made by an eighteen entity? I've never done one of these before. Are we rating it like mm. relative to the other pilots? Out, out of ten. No, no, just just, just off, off the just, cuff. Like, uh, purely objective. How much did you enjoy it? How did you? I'm gonna like give it? it an eight because mm -hmm. I really did. I, I did find even though like even though it had a lot going on, I felt like I was mm. able to follow all the like if you think about how many different like characters and alien species yeah. and factions that it introduced in different places and like it kept me like I, I felt it was overall paced pretty well and kept me engaged the whole time. Mm. And I have like such an affection for the show that mm. it bumps it up a couple points. That's mm. fair. More than fair. How about you, Idol? How many nascene <laughs> unbuttered corner cobs? Listen, this this needs to go back in the oven for a bit, but um, I'm probably going to be the lowest of all the scores here. So imagine I I'm I'm the teacher sitting in this class of all these students that have come up with their their pilot projects for me, and I, you know mm. they've come up with you know, the cage, and uh, we've we've got them counter far point, and then I get the caretaker on my desk, and I'm just going to scribble in there five and circle it and just say see me after because we got a lot to talk about here <laughs> there's a lot going there's there's a lot of issues you could improve your, i i, I want to look out for this student there's you can improve on a lot here like you just mm. there's a few things but no um in all seriousness i think there was a lot a lot of the plot really fell off for me it but i like the character interactions the reason it's not worse rated is because i i think it uh it did a lot of well with the people it had um but it just it kind of just falls apart as you're watching it and and I don't know whether that's just experience of like if I'm not watching it blind and watching it with the experience of Trek that I know, but I feel like there's definitely a lot more they could have done with this premise and a lot more they could have established instead of kind of rushing everything for the pilot to kind of go right and now mm. we're in a series and here's the status quo on with the TNG you know which they kind of do with a few few minor exceptions um, in, most importantly in season one. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a five out of ten. I think it's the worst one so far for me. Um, uh, not worse. It's not bad. It was entertaining, but I would say it sort of sits in the middle of a five of a ten for me. Like it's not the worst. It's not the best. It's just. It's just. Yeah, like I, Neelix, it's I think just that's there. fair. Yeah, I'm gonna mm. nerf my score. I'm gonna nerfing my score Ooh. down to six. Actually. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you finally as... realize Mark is garbage, right? No, no, no. <laughs> Mark, Mark's the only reason it. it's not a five. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. On that note, I think we conclude our scores for that episode. Sky, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, I trust you will join us for some more Voyager escapades in the future. If you have more Voyager, I'm here. Oh, we will do some more Voyager. I am absolutely <laughs> certain you. of Love that. Um, but uh, from myself, from the guys, thank you very much for watching. If you want to see our watch along, subscribe to our t Twitch channel and link your Discord account, and you will find on our Discord channel in the subs account, you will find uh, watch alongs of this episode. Uh, we will also be back for our regular show next week for Timelines Talks on Wednesday. Mm. But. Uh, thank you for watching thank you for joining us on this we will be doing uh enterprise pilot broken bow next uh mm. with the fantastic racing liners is joining us for that one Aww. um uh, so thank you very much and we will see you next time Sarah. Okay.